Luke 8, 1 through 3. Soon afterwards, he was traveling from one town and village to another, preaching and telling the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses. Mary, called Magdalene, seven demons had come out of her. Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod, Stuart, Susanna, and many others who were supporting them from their possessions. Now, some of you know I'm a little bit strange, a little bit odd. I do things differently. Uh, here's an example of one of the things that I think that I'm different in than most of the rest of the world. That when it comes to a choice between good news and bad news, I like good news. I know that kind of makes me kind of weird that way, uh, but if I had a choice between good news and bad news, I would always choose good news. Remember when you opened up that report card on your way home from school? You, you, you wanted good news uh, in that place. Uh, you get an email from your boss, and as you hit enter to, to open that email, it's either going to be good news or bad news. You want it to be, to be good news. Uh, this time of year, we kind of have that sense uh, when we... Turn in our taxes. Man, the result of those taxes and all of those forms are either going to be good news or bad news. You know what I like? I like good news. Every once in a while, somebody might pull me over with some blue lights. They pull up to my window. I'd like good news. I'd like to say, you know what? I just wanted to pull you over and compliment you. That is the finest driving I've ever seen in this town in the last 15 years. I like good news. Here's the fantastic, wonderful, amazing thing. Jesus brings good news. In fact, our passage of Scripture here in Luke chapter 8, these first three verses, it says that Jesus went from the towns and villages and the cities, and he proclaimed and he preached good news. That's what he brought, was good news. What is Jesus going to tell us about today? He is going to tell us good news. I love to hear that. I love to think about that. It is an amazing thing, and if you stop and think about it just for a moment, think about what it is that we are saying here in this moment. We are saying that when God himself stood in front of these people, Talk about a report card moment. God himself stands before them. Is this going to be good news or bad news? And what Jesus proclaims is good news. Good news. What is that good news? Well, first of all, it's the fact that God himself is standing there in front of you. And what is that good news that he brings? He brings good news that there is forgiveness for every person who has ever lived and everything that was ever done. And he speaks into the corners of this universe and says, you can be forgiven. It is good news. He comes and he brings salvation, rescue, redemption, new life. And it is good news. And he brings peace, rest, and healing for our soul. 
I want you to hear that when Jesus shows up and he walks amongst the people of this earth with his voice echoes and, and, and continues to reverberate through this universe. What Jesus brings is good news. It's good news. In fact, when we hear the voice of Jesus, it is a good news confetti cannon. When we hear the voice of Jesus, it is like good news in an IV drip. When we hear the voice of Jesus, it is like a good news earthquake that shakes us for the soul. What Jesus brings is good news. He went from place to place proclaiming and preaching the good news. Now that does lead me to a question. What happens when the good news is proclaimed? What happens when God himself shows up, when his words are echoed, when his words reverberate through this universe? What happens when God himself speaks good news over you and over the whole world? What happens when good news is proclaimed and preached? Because that is his message. Well, I think we see in just these handful of verses, we see some pretty significant things happen when the good news is proclaimed. The, the first thing that I'd want you to notice is that a new community is created. There's a creation of an amazing community. Again, just three verses that we're looking at here this morning, but it tells us that Jesus is preaching and teaching the good news, and with him are the twelve. The twelve. Now, it's interesting. Sometimes the followers of Jesus have different titles. They go by different names. Sometimes we, we think of those people who were closest to Jesus, we call them the disciples. And the disciples is a good word. And in fact, the word disciple emphasizes that they are followers of Jesus. They are learners from Jesus. They are mimickers of who Jesus is. And a disciple is a person who follows Jesus. So it is right to call the people who follow Jesus disciples. But sometimes they also get another name. They are called apostles. And sometimes it's a little bit confusing because it's the same guys that are called disciples and sometimes they're called apostles. Well, which ones are they? Well, it's really two sides of the same coin. The disciples are the people who follow Jesus. The apostles are the one that Jesus sends out to do his work. So you actually begin as a disciple and you become an apostle. Now, sometimes they're called disciples. Sometimes they're called Apostles, and sometimes they just get this nickname. They're called the Twelve. The Twelve. They are the apostles. They are the disciples. Sometimes we can just think of these, the guys at the table. You, you know which one I'm talking about. These are the guys at the table. They were with Jesus in the upper room. And so as Jesus goes and he proclaims the good news, he has around him men that he has called and that are his disciples who will eventually become apostles, and they, they get to be with him in these great moments in these kinds of places. But the passage also tells us that as Jesus is going about preaching and teaching the good news, and he has the twelve with him, that also with him 
are the women. And in fact, it's really interesting because in this passage of Scripture, it is paralleling. You have the 12 disciples, the apostles, the 12, the guys at the table. But at the same time, in the same circle, in the same group, in the same traveling entourage, are the women. And this is really significant, and we don't have time to spend a ton of time here, but we can't walk past this. That one of the things that is dramatic about Jesus is the way that he gave life and dignity and value to everyone, even to people that maybe the rest of culture and the rest of society did not give equal value and weight to. In fact, we see that in the way that Jesus deals with women all the way through the Gospels. We saw it just in the verses just above this one where, where the woman comes and, and expresses her great gratitude toward Jesus. And the Pharisee at the table says, if he knew what kind of woman this was that he's letting touch him. Jesus gives great affirmation and value and dignity. And that's not the only story that we find. In fact, here we have the names of several women that are part of the entourage, that are just as present as the twelve. And it's a very significant thing in this culture of that day, and sometimes of this culture and of this day, that they would be given weight and value and dignity to these women. In fact, we, we see these same ladies again at the end of Luke, at the end of chapter 23 and the beginning of verse 24. We see these women again at the cross. They, they are the ones that stick around. In fact, most of the 12 hit the road but it was the women who were there with the cross. And then we discover that on that Sunday after Jesus' death in chapter 24 and verse 9, it says, In returning from the tomb, they told all of these things to the eleven and all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women about whom these things were told to the apostles. It was the women who were the first to proclaim that Jesus is alive. He is not here. He is raised from the dead, just like he said it was. You know who's the person who got to announce that news first? It was the women that were around Jesus. If you take a look at the birth of the church in Acts chapter 1, in the birth of the church in Acts chapter 1, Jesus has just ascended into heaven and in verse 12, it says, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went to the upper room. Now, we're not sure if that's the exact same upper room or whether it is a similar upper room, but it is possible that it is the same upper room where they were staying, and Peter and John and James and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. All of these were in one accord, devoting themselves to prayer together with the women. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. And in those days, Peter stood up 
among the brothers. It's an amazing new community. One other place, we won't look at all of it, but in Romans chapter 16, Paul signs off the end of his great letter, and he sends greetings to all, to many of the great leaders in the church. In fact, in Romans chapter 16, sometimes it's a hard passage to read because it's just name after name after name. In fact, there's 28 church leaders that Paul greets in Romans chapter 16. More than a third of that group are women. It's a big deal. I love the fact that we get to look at this passage this morning because last Sunday we identified our deacons and we had the men who serve as deacons in the life of this church fill up our choir loft. We ordained and installed brand new deacons into the life of our church and we are grateful for the men and the ministry that they have in the life of this church. But we do not overlook that God sees value and has a place for all people in the life of this church. I am grateful that there's not a committee in this church that doesn't have a woman on it, and that doesn't provide or does not gain insight from the wholeness of the life of this church. That is what Jesus does. He creates a community that includes the 12. It includes the women. And then at the end of verse 3, it says, and many others, and many others, one of your translations says many other women, but I, I think most of the translations just say many others. In other words, when you take a look at the people who are with Jesus, the people who are part of that community, you have the 12. And then you have the women that are kind of a surprise. Other people did not expect that the women would be given this prominent role in Jesus' ministry. And then you have many others. Who are many others? I don't know. There's a lot of them, and there's others. That, that, that's, that's what I can tell you. But there are other people who are followers of Jesus who aren't part of the 12, who have not gotten their names inscribed in Scripture, but they're part of the people of God. They're the followers of Jesus. They belong to this community. We don't know their story, but they're there. And they belong in that place. Here's what I would tell you. If you are in Christ today, you're one of the many others. You're one of the many others. And so we gather together as part of this amazing community that is unlike any community that ever existed before. Because of the way Jesus received all people. I want you to know that you are part of the community with Jesus. You are part of the community with the twelve. You are part of the community of the women who are the first testifiers of the resurrection. You are one of the many others. It's an incredible community to be part of. And this community, we gather every seven days to be in the same room together to celebrate our Jesus and the transformation that he's made over our lives and the fact that we are part of this community. We are one of the many others. And we get to gather on Sunday with the rest of the many others who are part of the community of Jesus.
because the good news has been proclaimed. How fantastic is that? I also want you to know that when the good news is proclaimed, light reaches to the darkest places. Light reaches to the darkest places. There's an emphasis here in the middle of this list of the twelve and of the women and of the many others. And it kind of circles in here in the middle, particularly around the women. It says they were women, and these were women whose lives had been rescued from the most broken places. In fact, the passage of Scripture describes the fact that they had diseases, infirmities, weakness, places where their lives lack strength and power. But it also describes that for some of the people that were part of the community of Jesus, they came from incredible darkness. In fact, they came from having lived under demonic control over their lives. Think about that. To live under that degree of darkness. To be controlled by the very forces of the pit of hell. And that's who Jesus invited in. Because that's what the good news does. The light reaches even to the darkest of places. Even to those lives that are most broken. In fact, if you were to have taken a survey before Jesus showed up and said, listen, we need to find the best followers of Jesus. Everybody put your resume forward. I don't know who would put a resume forward that says, I'm currently under the grip of demonic forces. My life is broken. I'm sick. I have no power. I have no strength. I'm full of infirmities. And Jesus says, that's it. You're in. You're in. What a strange kind of resume collection that says you're broken. Have I got a place for you? Have I got a place for you? You're under the grip of darkness. I've got a place for you. I've got a place for you. The light reaches to the darkest places. Strange thing happened on Monday. You know, Mondays are, well, they're Mondays. But I was at PJ's. Sometimes I start my week there, try to knock out some of my first tasks of the week before I start working on other things. And so I'm there and and I'm working a little bit on a couple tasks. And, and while I'm on it, I've just got some ideas. And, 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 and so I'm kind of bouncing some ideas to, to Colby. And one of the ideas that I'm thinking about is, man, I wonder how our church, I wonder how our church can have a little bit more influence and voice in our community. In fact, one of the things I'm thinking about is, I wonder how we can have a little bit more voice with some of the leaders 
in our community, some of the business leaders, maybe some of the, the, the government leaders? How, how can we make sure that our, vo- our church can connect to the people who provide leadership in our community? And I was sending Colby some ideas. By the way, they were great ideas. He didn't say so, but they were great ideas. And, and this whole thing, and this whole, he just said, that sounds like a lot of work for me. Uh, <clears throat> and this whole time I'm sending these ideas on how, how we can reach leaders in our community. And at my booth, where I've got all my stuff laid out, comes and sits a homeless woman across the table from me. I wanted to talk about reaching leaders. Just God, don't you forget. Don't you forget. There's not a person in this community that I don't care about. Whether they're bright, they're shiny, and powerful, or leaders, or a homeless person who talks to themselves and won't let you even talk to them. Light reaches to the darkest of places. But I also want you to see that the light also reaches to the polished people. We see Mary Magdalene and, and the, the seven demons that had controlled her life and, and, and the other people who have been broken by infirmity and, 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 and disease. But then we also come across the name of the woman who's married, basically the chief of staff of the king. In terms of the social life of the day, she would have been at the top of that list. A couple notes about that. Just because you're at the top of the social order doesn't mean that there isn't darkness that has invaded your life either. Darkness doesn't just show up at social economic levels. But I also want you to know that the gospel, the good news, also reaches the people that we would call successful. The good news speaks to their life as well. When the good news is preached, light reaches to the darkest of places. I read someplace online today, I don't know, this week, I don't know whether it's true or not, that somebody has found a habitable planet that's only 31.7 light years away. It's good to have a backup. I mean, it's good to have a backup. So here is the good news. We have found a planet, maybe, and it's only 31.7 light years away. Now, light traveling... At the speed of light, that's how fast light normally goes. At the speed of light, how much ground it covers in a year. And somebody said, well, keep in mind, keep in mind that we currently take 30,000 years at our technology to cover one light year. So, folks, good news. We can get there in about 900,000 years. Okay, so don't push, don't shove. We'll all get in an orderly line. Sometimes it takes light a while to get to you. But the light of Jesus 
reaches into the darkest of places right now. Right now. There's one more thing that happens, at least in this passage of Scripture, when the good news is proclaimed, and that is that we all become part of the mission. We all become part of the mission. This third verse in the, in the passage tells us that many others also contributed to the support of the rest. Now, this is really interesting. I think, first of all, that if your life has been held in the grip of darkness and you've been under the control of demonic forces, you probably have not done well with your money. You're probably a vulnerable person in that way. But I think that the emphasis here is that they're also supporting the ministry of Jesus. Now think about this. Jesus spoke the world into existence. Jesus turns water into wine. Jesus takes a little picnic lunch and feeds 5,000. Jesus can make the blind see. Jesus can make the lame to walk. And yet, the mission of Jesus was significantly empowered by the gifts and the financial support of the people who were part of the church, part of that community. I'll tell you what that means. What that means is that we have this privilege of being part of the financial life of the mission of God, of the, uh, of the church itself. It, it means that when we are invited to be part of supporting the ministry of Jesus' work, it is one of the signs of belonging. It is one of the signs of being part of this community. The community includes the 12, it includes the women, it includes the many others, it includes you and me. And part of that process is that you and I are also invited to use the resources that God has given to us to accomplish the work of God. The passage emphasizes that the ministry of Jesus, when he walked on this earth, in the midst of all the miracles that he did, his ministry was supported by the regular people who made up his ministry. If that were the case in his day, then we have to understand that it's consistently the case in our day. It's an incredible thing that you and I are invited to be part of that mission. It's a great sense of a statement that says, I belong in this community. And I am part of what he is doing. When Jesus comes, he speaks good news. When Jesus comes, he speaks good news. So what happens when you hear good news? How does that impact your life? How does that rearrange 
your life? Is there a decision you're supposed to make today? Is there a commitment that you're supposed to make? Is there, is there a sin that you need to seek forgiveness of this day? Is there a person that you're supposed to invite to be here next week? Is there a commitment of your own faith that you need to renew in this day? Is there a part of your life that you're supposed to hand over to Him and say, Jesus, I know that this is weak. I know that this place, this part of my life lacks strength. Would you give it power? Would you give it strength? Would you transform this weak part of my life and make it strong? God wants to do lifelong work in your life today. Would you let him do that? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we want to hear your voice. We want to hear your words. But Lord, we want to respond to your presence. And so across this room, whatever it is that you need to do and that we need you to do, Lord, would we yield ourselves to it. We pray it in your name. Amen.